gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Last Tuesday, uh, the Music Australia Council was announced, and this is something that we've sort of discussed when, you know, Music Australia was a thing, as a you know, with Screen Australia and all that, Music Australia was announced as a thing. We sort of dissected it a little bit there, and we sort of said, "Oh, I wonder what they'll be doing. I wonder what legislation authority they'll have, and I wonder who they'll have appointed to the board." All those questions. Well, maybe not all, but a lot of those questions have now been answered. Yeah, yeah, we do have a lot more clarity with that. This is one that we've we've watched unfold from the start of the year, and I suppose it's healthy to go back and and uh, track over that. Um, now, if you have gone back and listened to one of our previous podcasts, uh, congratulations, you already know what I'm about to say, but with a lot more detail. If you haven't, listen to what I'm about to say, but also go back. We covered, um, firstly, the announcement of the revived policy from the federal government uh, and then also some updates as they came through. We've been covering this all year. So um, definitely check it out if you want more detail on this. But the long and short of it, uh, and I should say uh, a lot of this reporting comes via the Music Network, so great stuff, guys. Thank you. Uh, in January, uh, the revived policy was announced. This was basically like a legislative cultural framework for music in Australia and, and arts and culture in Australia, and it was really, really significant. We'd never really seen anything of this nature um, in Australia, uh, especially coming from a federal level. A huge pillar of the revive uh, legislation and the framework there was Music Australia. Now, you know what Screen Australia is. Just think about that. But for contemporary music in this country, we've never had anything of that nature before. We haven't had a place in government where there's been strategy, there's been funding, there's been collaboration and consultation with the industry itself on how to get the best outcomes for local artists and the scene locally. Um, and I, I mean... We don't. If you're listening to this show, if you listen to radio, we don't need to tell you why music is important to support. Um, but even just look, look to the pandemic, what everyone turned to and what kept us going through there. There's a reason um, why governments should be spending a lot of time and effort and money into making these as good as they can be. So it was really, really good to see. Um, yeah, a bit to add on to that point that you mentioned. I mean, we've discussed it so many times about how art and culture drive so much of a country. It's what a country is known for. Like you go travelling through Europe and so much of what you look at is the architecture of the buildings or you go to museums and look at paintings and, you know, bits of, you know, writing and poems and whatever else. Like And music, of course, is such a big part of that as well. And New I heard- Zealand has its wool. <laughs> what? It's, it's sheep. All oh, right. What do you reckon? A bit different to what I was talking about, I think. Damn it. But part of the culture, perhaps. Uh, perhaps maybe more of a stereotypical culture than... Although, if you look at the numbers, perhaps. But anyway. <laughs> uh, but I heard something throughout the week which I think really summed up that point very well. And it is like, you know, sure, you know, the lawyers and the doctors and the teachers and all of that, they make the run tick. Like, they sort of... They're the reason that the world keeps turning. But those doctors and lawyers would stop if they didn't have music and entertainment and everything else to sort of unwind with. So, you know, those jobs, sure, you know, they're the reason that sort of we do exist, but maybe I'm saying that the wrong way around. You get the point I'm making. Yeah, yeah, stuff your doctors, 
stuff the nurses. <laughs> it's not the point no, I'm no, making. No, no. I want to clarify. Basically, behind every single human being uh, is is for the most part a, a desire and a love of, of art and culture because it's something uniquely human. We, so. we go to work to make money and to enjoy life and without music and art, there is no life to enjoy. That's, that's, that's fantastic way to put it. Yeah. Dash Cameron Smith, 2023. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so obviously these are, these are things that we firmly believe governments should be supporting. And it was really good to see the federal government come out with such a comprehensive policy. This was um, designed with the industry uh, as, as and stakeholders engaged in that process. And what was really good as well, we've seen the state government in New South Wales at least um, introduce an even bigger policy um, following. So we've got a lot going on here. Um, but, yeah, of course, music... Australia, I was about to say Music New South Wales, <laughs> forgive me, Music Australia was uh, part of this, a central uh, board and body within government where all of these things can connect. And last Tuesday, uh, I wish they'd done it on Monday, very oh, no. considerate of them. But anyway, the Music Australia Council was announced uh, and on Thursday it actually got up and running upon the commencement of the Creative Australia Act 2023, which is the act that kind of brings all of this into play. Um, now, this is loaded with music experts. Uh, and just to give you a quick run, um, Fred Alale, co-founder and chair of African Music and Cultural Festivals, Lisa Baker, manager of, uh, of Creative Cultural Development, City of Playford, Danielle Karuna, Mama Kin, uh, artist and founder, director of The Seed Fund, Michael Chug, founder of Chug Entertainment, Petrina Convey, uh, owner and director of Unity Management, Fred Leone, artist, Nathan McClay, CEO of Future Classic, and Dr. Sophie Payton, also known as Gordy, uh, fantastic Australian artist in there as well. Um, Adrian Collette, who's the CEO of the Australia Council of the Arts and Creative Australia, is the chairman of the council, uh, and he will pr provide oh, – sorry, the council itself is going to provide strategic direction for Music Australia um, with those appointments just mentioned there, they're going to be effective for four years, so four-year terms. It gives them enough time to be able to implement some change and some strategy and to sort of lead a direction for what they would like to see. And as you mentioned, there's so many great people involved, so you like to think that they have a pretty common incentive and that is to continue to drive music in this country. I mean, it is Music Australia after all. So that is obviously what they're going to be focusing on, not transport and roads <laughs> and whatever else that we've seen the portfolios lumped in together yes. in the past with government. Uh, you mentioned Music Australia there. They are representatives from the Australian contemporary music industry. They joined forces last year as part of the National Cultural Policy Consultation uh, from which a new national music development agency was touted. And in January of this year, uh, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese and Arts Minister Tony Burke unveiled Revive and with it was a years-long roadmap for the music community. You mentioned Revive at the top of the music news, Eamon, and that was all through Music Australia and through Albo and Co. Burko. And Burko. <laughs> Albo and Burko going Burko about music. Um, but, yeah, if, if you're kind of wondering, I guess, still wondering what, like, why do we need this, it's like imagine – you have all the moving parts of, of the Australian music scene, whether it's, you know, like your formalised bodies like APRA, AMCOS, ARIA, um, you know, measuring and awarding and all of that supporting artists and you've got the live scene, you've got your managers, you've got your artists, you've got your um, producers, you've got everyone involved in the industry in whatever part. They were all just kind of moving independently 
prior to this. And that's probably like to do what was already there a bit of a disservice. Of course, these, the industry itself had created bodies like APRA and COS and these kind of like centralized bodies to represent their interests. But there still wasn't that unifying thing that would lead to positive outcomes through government that would get all the people in the same room chatting to the people who can make these decisions that directly affect them. Um, and there wasn't a plan from government, like what do we want our music scene to look like in, in 10 years, in 15 years' time? How can we best support that? What do our artists need right now? What are they going to need? All of these kind of questions that would best support our artists and best support music in this country to be the best it can be both here and internationally. Um, that's what this body seeks to answer. So it is really significant to have it now. And as of Thursday, it was up and running. The board is really good. Like we've got um, some really good names on there, some big names in Australian music. There's artists in the mix, which is really important as well. I think there's a number of artists in the mix um, and everybody that's on there, <coughs> of course, has like s some direct involvement. So your board is made up of the stakeholders. It's not just some bureaucrats or some suits making decisions about things they don't understand. This is the the people who uh, live and breathe it. So that's really, really refreshing. Of course, they've been up and running less than a week, so we can't scrutinise any of their decisions yet. No. Um, however, that is something, of course, we're going to be watching with a keen interest. Absolutely. And that is something that uh, Annabelle Heard, who is the CEO of ARIA and the PPCA, she said now it all comes down to execution. She said now is the time to think big, consult wide and deliver the solutions that Australian recording artists and industry professionals deserve, restoring the infrastructure to help them achieve sustainable careers at home and providing a greater platform for them to reach new audiences by cutting through an increasingly saturated market. And the CEO of APRA Amcos, Dean Ormston, echoed those comments saying that the, establish of, the establishment of Music Australia is a landmark moment for Australia's music industry. He said it, is, it represents for the first time in the nation's history that we have had a long-term commitment from government to work in partnership with industry to make Australia a music powerhouse yeah and i mean something i'm thinking straight away with this i don't know if they would intermingle but the music news last week we were talking about the fair fair play mm. for radio pay act which is being kind of debated in parliament now they're looking to change these are the kind of decisions i imagine someone like music australia would have a say in it's it's mm. those kind of things what artists are being remunerated how laws are still impacting them, whether they're six years old or six months old, all those kind of things. So uh, if you miss that news, you can jump on our podcast and check that one out. It's all about uh, the royalty fees that artists receive from their music as they're played on radio in Australia. Guess um, what? They the only get 1%. Yeah, not which much. is absolute ridiculous. Low levels, but uh, yeah, that can be found on your podcasting platform of choice or on homebrew.au under our podcast just search Homebrewed Media into wherever you're trying to find us and we should come up. Homebrewed. Get it all at www.homebrewed.au. Why is it not your internet homepage right now? Yeah, if it's not, I, I don't see any other reason why you would need to use the internet other than to access our content. <laughs> and if there is another reason, I'd like you to email it to me and I can deem whether it's worthy or not. And that email can be found? At www.homebrewed.au.